0: Oh, wow. Thank you. How are we doing? I wasn't here last week. I was away because I had a, one of those, not a spectacular birthday, just a normal birthday. 59. I'm 59. Sheesh. But I was in Tekapo last weekend with Cass' family, because her sister has a birthday at the same time, and I was sort of just having a weekend with the family, which is alright, but we missed church. And so on Sunday morning, this is what I was doing last week, we went and found a hill to on, and it was under the trees, so it was still icy from the frost in the morning. And so my nieces are busy trying to toboggan down this thing, and I thought, I'm going to get some velocity on this thing. So I grabbed the plastic bag with the pillow, and I, I took a running run-up, 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 and I dived to the slope thinking this is going to be amazing. They're going to think I'm the most amazing uncle in the whole world. But somehow the plastic gripped on the ice, and I head-planted into the ice. And so head comes up, I rattled my brain, I had blood all these ice cuts on me, and I was like, oh, that didn't really work, did it? So after that, I just behaved like a responsible 59-year-old. But I listened to the service during the week, and I got FOMO. I was like, man, I, I missed last week. And it's good when your pastor actually likes church. I love church. I love our church. I love it. And so getting FOMO is a good uh, indication that I actually like being here, and I like being with you guys, I like doing life with you guys, and uh, it's just exciting to see what God's doing, and, and I get excited about the most small things. Hey, we had someone got saved last Sunday, and we would have baptised here on Wednesday. Oh, let's do this journey, eh? So, yeah, there is nothing to lose coming on the journey with God. All right, so today I've got the last of the series of Jesus Said. I think Jesus said a lot more than what we just covered. Four weeks is not enough, really, is it? But so, so anyway, I'm doing the last one here today, and it's the woman at the well. And um, I've, I've entitled the, the, uh, the, the word today, From Mess to Message. You might be there. There we go. Mess to Message. And so I, I, I chose this one. Then I realized later on that it's actually 40 verses in this story. And I'm thinking, oh, this is bigger than I thought it was. Because, I mean, years ago I preached on um, the, late, the woman left her water pot at the well. And I thought, yeah, 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 I've done that before and, you know, that was good. And then when I looked at it, it's 40 verses and I'm sort of, whoa. And so I took it to my home group. Who goes to a connect group? Connect groups are fun. They're awesome. So if you want to go to a connect group, get signed up to a connect group because that's just part of the life of the church. But I said to the connect group, right, you guys are going to help me do the sermon. So if there's anything wrong today, blame them. So, John 4 is where we pick up the story. And it says, it says this, uh, He left Judea, this is Jesus, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sakaar. Everybody say Sakaar. I thought, you know how quite often words in, in, the, in, the, in the Bible have, they have another name. And then say so the town of Sakar, I said what a funny name to call a town. Where do you live? Sakaar. Didn't sound right, eh? So I had a look what it meant. Do you know what it means? It means drunken, it means hilar- um, hilarious, merry, deeply drunk, madness, falsehood, deceit, deception, disappointment, foolish, um, ungodly. A city in Samaria, Sakkar, signifies a confused state of mind or a mixed state of consciousness and idolatry. Now we're going to be talking about this woman, she has some issues, but I tell you what, the whole blooming town's got issues here. So Jesus is coming there, and he's near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat by the well, and it was about the sixth hour. And then verse 7, a woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, it's up there. For his disciples had gone away into the town to buy food. Okay, there's the start of the story. Here's Jesus and this woman, Samaritan woman that's come to the well. Now one thing here, as she came at noon. they said the sixth hour of the day, which is noon. That is a wrong time to come. Normally you would come in the evening. And mostly they'd come in the evening when it's the cool of the day. And it was a gathering point where people would come and you'd catch up with your neighbours and see everybody and I guess you take turns and get your water and it's, it's, that's what you do. But she came at noon in the heat of the day when no one else is going to be there. So Jesus sitting there would have known straight away there is an issue here. Something's going on. This is not normal behaviour. She is here all by herself because she doesn't want to be around other people. And then he said, give me a drink. And there's two reasons why this is a bit of a weird thing to say as well. The first one was that a Jew wouldn't talk to a Samaritan normally. Um, they had they had a, a falling out. It's like the Samaritans were a mixed race; they were Jew and Gentile, and apparently, according to the commentary, it's like, there's like um, dis- there was dispute about. Um, Uh, genealogy you know where do you come from where's your tribe and all that sort of stuff there and so that was sort of written off and so actually it says that they had a long-standing deep-seated hatred for each other so here's Jesus going to talk to this woman at the well so that was one thing and she'll say it in a second the other thing uh, is that it was not proper for any man especially a rabbi to be talking to a, a woman by himself and so two reasons why this is a bit of an odd situation But it says there in verse 9 that the Samaritan woman said to him, "Um, How come you're a Jew and I a Samaritan woman, how can you speak to me, uh, ask me for a drink? And Jesus answered her and said, If you knew the gift of God and who it was that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Now she's a little confused. She's like... What did you just say? What's living water? I never heard of it. And so Jesus carries on. He said, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water that I give them will become in them a spring or a fountain of water welling up to eternal life. And this, in these 40 verses, Jesus goes all over the place. And it's like there's probably 40 sermons in these 40 verses, but But we'll keep on task here. She still doesn't quite grasp the concept, but something is happening within her. It's sometimes in our mental capacity, we can't quite figure out what's going on, but something in our spirit is reacting or responding. say responding sounds better, doesn't it? Something in her is responding. The words weren't, she wasn't quite making sense of what he was saying, but something in her spirit was responding who's had that in your spirit where you've responded I know what it's like to respond we were in the prayer meeting just before we came here and a couple of the guys put their hands on me and prayed for me which is always fantastic thanks guys but when, when the anointing comes my, my, my legs start tremoring that happened this morning and I'm thinking hey God this is good and I looked around I thought they still had their hands on me I looked around and they'd, their hands weren't anywhere near me and I'm like whoa this is what's happening here I'm not sure where it's going, but it's, this is pretty good. So what is the living water that Jesus is talking about? Any idea? Come on, home group. Ah, oh, top of the class. Got chocolates? Give them to those three people there. It's the Holy Spirit. It's, and, and, and Jesus said in the Scriptures here, it's like a fountain of, uh, of living water springing to everlasting life. It's like a fountain. Calf was saying at Connect Group, this is my Connect Group thing, it's, are all having participating in this lot. It's a fountain. She said when she received the Holy Spirit, something oh, it was like a fountain. It was like, whoa, something's happening here. It's it's happening within me. I could feel it in me. I know when I was growing up we had this um, creek at the back of our house and it was just a slow moving creek and we used to take the make rafts and go on that and kayaks and used to chase ducks and earling and all that sort of stuff anyway but we'd go on that there but there's one part of the creek where it bulged to be quite a big quite a wide part and the thing that was there it was there was a spring and it was a big spring and you could see it was just a very placid creek but this one point you see this bubbling it would you know it was bubbling to the surface and as kids you know we'd be um, rafting across there. we had rafts those days we'd be rafting across it and we never dared fall off in the middle of the spring, because you get over it and you look down on it and it's crystal clear and it's it's pure, and you look down and it just it goes bluer and bluer and bluer as you look deeper and deeper and deeper. And the water's just bubbling out there, and then you can see this black hole way down there, and it's like, man, I said we're not falling out here because that's where the biggest eels live, and we're not gonna fall out there. But there was something about that drew you in. It's like a spring of living water. This water was the freshness of the creek. The rest of the creek was rather dirty, but here was this beautiful fresh water. I live by Lake Ellesmere. It's just not like that. It's green. And has duck itch, you know. And my own experience, when I, at 19, I, I encountered God and I gave my life to God. And I had the same thing, something springing up within me. It was like, I'm a different person. I was like, my chest is just about breaking, bursting, because it's like, what's happening? I knew something happened. I met Jesus and something was springing up. So this woman is experiencing something. And how to experience that, it's like, where is the experience? Like initially, it might be a, an experience of something you're feeling, something that's like overwhelming. It's like, wow, this is fantastic. What's going on? There's something new in me. But the thing, the evidence of the Holy Spirit being in you is the fruit of the spirits, Well, the fruit of the spirit. Whether it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. We can probably carry on. I haven't got them up there. Don't worry. He said like, he didn't put them up. He didn't put them up, and oh, no, I didn't put them up. And it's like the fruit of the Spirit when Jesus is in you. You know, when this woman is meeting something that she's getting, she's going to get filled with the Holy Spirit right now. What's happening? As they're talking. She didn't know there was living water. She didn't know that she needed it. But now she knows she wants it. And she's being drawn into this conversation. She still hasn't quite comprehended what's going on. And she said, give me this water that I might not thirst. You know, if you're looking for something, maybe you need this. Maybe you need this. I was with a guy this week who's in severe anxiety and can't do anything and helping them out on a farm situation. And it's like, you need this. You need this. You need this. You need rivers of living water in your life. And then Jesus changes tact. This is a really good, but Jesus is funny how he does this. He says, okay, give me this water. And she's like, okay, give it to me now. And he says, okay, go and get your husband. Oops. And the woman answered and says I have no husband. And what did Jesus say? I love the way that he worded this. He says you have well said. Like he could have says, ah oh, rubbish, you're telling porkies. Come on. Get real. Come on. He says you have said well, I have no husband for you have had five husbands and the one whom you have now is not your husband and that you spoke truly. I mean I wish I could speak with that grace. She, she's, he said it, he, he pinned her down in exactly what needed to be pinned down, but he said it in a way that was so loving and so gentle and so gracious and so invitational. She wasn't like, oh, no, I don't like you now. You just called me a sinner. You just called me horrible. Jesus is so gentle with her. And then the penny drops for her. and the woman, and, and she says, sir, in verse 19, The woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. She finally gets it. There's something about Jesus that is, okay, you're a prophet. And she says, our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place of worship is in Jerusalem. And then Jesus said, and he takes another turn. He keeps ducking and diving all over the place in this here. He says, you will neither worship on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. And now we're going to get back to what Dre was talking about last week where he started bringing down the walls. It was like, don't think like that anymore. I'm going to change something up here. Because he just needed to know he's Jesus and he's God and he can change the rules because that's what he can do. And so what he's saying here is this. It's not where you worship that's important. It's from where worship comes that's important. It's from where you worship. And so you might say, I'm going to come to church and we're going to do worship. Well, if that is what your expectation is, sorry, you're going to be disappointed. Because worship is not coming here to do worship. Worship comes from here, wherever you are. My worship is in my tractor. My worship is with my headphones on on the motorbike with my dog sitting on the back. That's when my worship happens. When I come to church, my worship just comes out corporatively with, that was a hard word to say, with all you guys. And we, we do it together, and combined worship brings a presence and an atmosphere of the Holy Spirit because you know, we, we, we've got one accord, we're, one, one, uh, one, we're just a coming together, and we worship. I can worship on the mountain for sure, I can worship in the temple, but my worship comes wherever I am. And so wherever we go, we bring worship. And today's modern technology, you've really got no excuse. You, know, you can take worship wherever you want. So it's from where your worship comes from that's important. Verse 25 says this the woman says, the woman says, I know that the Messiah, <laughs> she knows something called the Christ is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus says, I who speak am He. It's like somebody saying, Oh, I hear this church has got a pastor that's a farmer. Yeah, oh, uh, that's me. <laughs> I'm a farmer. It's like, did you not know that? I look like a farmer, don't I? Hey, Lance, do I look like a farmer? I try and hide it. People oh, what do you do? Oh, I'm a farmer. Oh, really? I'm just not big and burly like most farmers, that's all. That makes me a farmer. And so now she's got the loadout. out. Oh, you are the Messiah. It is you. Wow. And it's like, all of a sudden, it's like, all oh, this makes sense. I am sitting in front of God, and then the disciples come back. And the first thing that says, uh, "Jesus, what are you doing? You shouldn't be talking to this woman. This is uh, odd that you're doing this." And so they're grappling. They didn't really want to say anything because they're talking to God, you know, Jesus. They don't want to really say too much. But while they were talking about this? It says the woman left her pot at the well and went into town to tell everybody about what she had found and who she had encountered. And the thing is, it's like she'd left her pot. Why was she at the well? To get water. She was doing a job, and now she's left her pot at the well. And she's gone to tell everything that she's just encountered to the people in town. And so it's like the encounter with God was more important than her need for water. It's like, hang on, I don't don't care about that anymore. You guys are going to hear what I've found Somebody. That's really important. I know that for me as a, as a farmer, you know I can be way down the back paddock and I can see somebody arrive in the, in the gate um, and you can say, oh, okay, I know who they are, I'll catch up with them. And if people come into my house, okay, I'll put the jug on and we'll have a catch up. And I've always had that thing within my heart because I'm self-employed, I guess, where if you come into my place, I'll take the time for you and the work can wait until you've gone. There's only one person I hide from and it's not you. but it's like I make time for people because I've always had this, ever since I got saved, it's, I've always had this thing that, that I want to make time for people and so my work will get done and might get done at a later time or you know, if it's a really important job, it might be a little bit, I'm just sitting there thinking, yeah, drink, it, drink your coffee a bit quicker, could you? But I will make time for you. It's hard when you've finished your drink and they're still drinking theirs and they're about halfway, eh? It's like, come on, come on. No, it's all true. I do take time for people. And so then then the disciple says, Okay, well, Jesus, um, here's some food. We've gone and got the food, here's the food. And he says, um, He says, I have food to eat of which you do not know. And they're like, We've just gone into town, we've just got this food, we did all this effort, and now you're saying that someone else has come and fed you? But what he was saying is that my food, and there's verse 34, my food is through the will of God. And they're trying to grapple with. What do you mean? Have you eaten something or not eaten something? What, what, are, we, what are we doing here? We're not, we're not figuring this out here. And so I know that when I'm at church, I actually don't think about Sunday's roast or the braai or the barbecue that's after church. I actually don't think about food at church. Actually, we have morning tea at the back here after church. And very rarely do I eat anything. And for two reasons. One, I want to catch up with you. I want to meet you. If I haven't met you, I want to meet you. I want to catch up with people, talk to people, discuss things, connect things, make sure things are happening. Um, and, and when I've got a mouthful of biscuit, I don't want to spit crumbs all over you. It's embarrassing. It's like, oh, sorry, can I have that back? And so my my um, focus is totally, I'm here it's, it's, it's God's time. When I'm at a conference or something, I'm not thinking, oh man, I'm so hungry, just wanted it so over so I can go away. It's like there's something in me that it's like, no, my, my focus is here. My focus is what God's doing, what the Holy Spirit's doing. My focus is totally here. When I get out to the car park, jump in the car and drive driving home, man, I feel hungry now. I'm really feeling hungry. I'm looking forward to the feed. And so Jesus is saying, he says, my food is to do the will of God. And so when it comes for us, it's like people are important. That is the will of God. Wherever we go, people are important. So if we spend time with people, then you're doing something with the will of God for, you, uh, for them and for you in their lives. You are actually being what they need. And then he goes into another spiel and says to the disciples, The harvest is ripe. And they're like, Oh my gosh, Jesus, where are you going now? It's like we're flip flopping all over the place here. The harvest is ripe. And, and I've always thought of this scripture as, like for us now when we read that, we, we say, oh, the harvest is ripe. Yes, people are uh, uh, interested in God. And I believe that the harvest is ripe now. Yes, I do. I believe it's ripe. I believe that there's a lot of questions being asked. I spent time up on a mountain with someone a couple of weeks ago who doesn't believe in God and doesn't want to talk about God, but all he does with me is talks about God. That's quite funny. It's awesome. Because the harvest is ripe. People genuinely, uh, the, the answers like Shane Willard said. He said that after a major thing like COVID, people realize what they put their trust in no longer works. And there's a three-year window where people saying, actually, that didn't work. I've got to find out what does work. And there's a real search for what brings life, what brings meaning. And we know where that is. It's in God. So I'm a, I'm a farmer, so I've, I've done crops. I, that's what I've done. I told you I've got a tractor. I had a header. It's gone now, so now I can't do this. But I used to grow barley. This is barley. And you can tell when you're growing barley, it's got all those little spiky bits on, the, on it. When it's standing up, it looks fluffy. The whole paddock looks sort of fluffy and soft. It's prickly, actually, if you go out in it. But it, it looks like that from visually. And then as it dries out, those heads all turn over. And see these heads here? Uh, If I was going to head this paddock, if I was going to harvest it, I wouldn't do it just yet. It's not quite ripe enough. Because those heads get really tight on their turn, and the the longer it ripens, the, the, the tighter the turn at the top. I used to grow field peas and they, they were an amazing crop. They'd grow over the fence and you look at your paddock and it looked absolutely lush and beautiful and it'd be flowering white or pink or whatever colour it is. And then it'd be green and just you look at it and think, man, that's my paddock, it's so good. And then it starts to die. It's like, oh no, it's got its pods and it's filled up. And then it starts to die, so it starts to go yellow. And then it looks like Danny's T-shirt for a while, and it's a bit messy. It's a bit yellow. Not your T-shirt's not messy, and it's got green patches and yellow patches. And then it gets yellower and yellower, and to the point that it dies and it's gone brown. And then it goes flat instead of being up this tall. It's way down here. And then you know that hey, it's time to harvest because if I don't harvest it now, I'm going to waste it. The pods are going to start splitting. And so Jesus is saying, says the harvest is white, right now, and. I think the disciples are probably thinking, yeah, we know, because we're going around with you and we're seeing things happen and people respond to you. But he's like, no, no, the harvest is ripe now. The people now have come back with the woman. And so, you know, the, the disciples are talking to Jesus and thinking, you know, he, he's telling them about the harvest being ripe. And, and then they all arrive back and it says this, um, then the people came back with the woman and it, was, and, and it says that many people believed in Jesus. And so she brings the town back. And many believe in Jesus. And then it says that they urged or persuaded him to stay with them, and he did so for two more days. And it says, Many more believed. And this is like the lady she left a pot at the well to go and tell the people. So what was important is no longer important because God's important. Now Jesus has done the same thing. He's heading to Galilee, but now he's gonna take two days in Samaria. And it says, many people believed, and then many more people believed. I don't know how many of the town. sounded like they needed to believe, because they were a pretty bad lot. Verse 37 says, Jesus it says this: Jesus says, One sows, another reaps. I sent you to reap for which you have not labored, others have labored, and you have entered into their labors. And it's like, this woman, you know, it's like the Samaritan woman, you think, would she, would, no one would have tilled the ground there. But she says, I have heard of the Messiah. That he's coming. I've heard of that. Where? See, so often we we, we we want we want to do the we want to do the planting, we wanna do the growing, we wanna do the harvesting, and we wanna do it all, all in one thing, don't we? When you see someone and says, right, like, just just sort your life out, come to Jesus and be mature. That's all just let's just cut to the chase. And I know it's easy to think like that, eh? It's like sometimes people's progress is slower than what we'd like. But the thing is, there's a maturity that happens over time as well. And that can be quite quick. I know that Messiah is coming. Somehow these Samaritans knew that the Messiah was coming. And so when they all came out to see Jesus, of course they responded, because already that was sown somewhere in their heart. And I believe most people have a bit of a a God consciousness, whether you know it or not. I've heard plenty of stories of people that have not had anything to do with God, and they've just cried out one one thing – God, if you're real, show yourself or speak to me. And it's like the last, I've tried everything else, but God, if, if you're really out there, say something. And then God comes through. I've heard so many testimonies like that when people in their last moment say, hey, look, of desperation, I need I need to know that you're real. And he shows through. Otherwise, the question is life, is this the, is this the all there is to it? Is this it? Are we, have we arrived? I, I feel I've still got way more to experience in God. I haven't arrived at anything. I'm still going. And I will at 60. I'll still go. That's the scary part. You go from 1 to 30, it's young and you're, you know, you're vibrant. Then you go from 30 to 60 and it's like you mature. Next year I hit 60 to 90. I'm like, oh my gosh. That's a shocking thought. It's a shocking thought. I'm the last third of my life, oh my gosh, anyway, but, but, to have to say that, I'm going to do the extreme challenge, because I'm not going to get old within myself, I'm going to stay vibrant and young, because, you know, age is only a number, that's for somebody today, age is only a number, push past that. And then they said to the woman, it's all the town people, now we believe, not because of what you've said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the saviour of the world. Yes, can I have the um, music team up, please? So I'm just going to, in summarise, I'm going to land this thing. That's 40, 40 verses that I've just covered. It says, the two, two points I want to point out, is the woman left her water pot at the well. People are more important than our job, than our to-do list to do what I want. People are more important. And this woman got a hold of that and said, I've got to go and tell people. I've just met this amazing man, and I've got to go and tell people. So she goes away. Jesus demonstrated in the story. I've never seen this before, but he 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 spent two more days. He was going to Galilee. He was just passing through, it says. Um, He was passing through Samaria. But he decided when they said, Hey, can you stay? He said, Yeah, I can stay, because people are more important than our agenda or what we want to do. And the second thing that I want to really talk about that was this, this is now. This woman, in one conversation, went from a mess to a message. In one conversation. She, she's a woman that was hiding. She was sneaking down to the well at midday when no one else is there, getting a the water and going back to home, keeping out of sight, not really wanting to be around people because they would criticise she's a black widow. All her husbands die or leave or whatever they do. I don't say what happens to them all. But that's a lot of husbands in anybody's husband list. One husband's enough. If you have to because one dies, then you can have another husband. But anyway, I've just dug myself in a hole. I'm so good at doing that. I sometimes say to God, God, why do you do that to me? Why am I made like this? Ask Calf. Kath. Calf's like, oh my gosh. Okay, like I'm trying to be serious. This woman's hiding. Do you not want to see people? Shame. She, she, she's, she's been a disaster relationally. And she's feeling that and she just wants to keep to herself and keep away from people. And then one conversation with Jesus, she completely flips it around. She's off to town and what she's saying, hey, hey guys, you need to come and listen. I have met somebody that knows all about me, knows all about my different marriages, knows I'm, how I'm living now. And so instead of hiding what she was trying to hide and, and just literally a couple hours earlier, she is now saying, hey, this is my testimony. You know, I've had this rough life, but I've just had an encounter with God. You guys need to come, and so the shame had gone, and now she's free because she's let the shame go out. It's like having skeletons in your closet. It's like sometimes we think, oh, "I'm just going to hide that stuff, going to hide it, going to hide it." Sometimes the closet gets too full, and you know, you having to having to push a wee bone back in, and just keep it shut. And we were talking, ministering to a person um, a while back who had some significant skeletons in the closet and it's like bro you need to get these out because freedom comes when it's out it's like you don't want to be Prime Minister and then find out that people find out that you're a pedophile it's like get it out you'll never be Prime Minister anyway but at least you'll be free (laughs) from being a Prime Minister (laughs) who'd want that job and so so here's this woman, uh, the, the, this, this person that we were talking to, they had so many skeletons, and I'm like, I know where your freedom is. Your freedom is, is opening the cupboard and pull them all out and get it out there. That's where your freedom is. But this person's like, no, no, that door, and I'm going to lock it, then I'm going to grab the couch, put it against it. What else? A couple of chairs, pop them up, put the TV beside it, so nobody can get into the closet. And you know what? You don't get free. You don't get free. You know what gets you free is when you open the door and you pull it all out and say, this is my life. It's a mess. You know, Paul was like that, wasn't he? He'd been killing Christians, persecuting them. And then it's like, I did that once. Now, what was your mess becomes your message. And we try and hide what our mess was because we're a bit shameful or embarrassed about it. But when we get it out into the open and there's a freedom there, it becomes your message. Hey, I was like that. I was like that. That was me. But now I'm free of that. My brother was a classic example. You know, just his life was so messed up with um, adulterous relationships. And he was so bound up. And I saw my brother die on the inside. And, and it was, I, I didn't know what was going on. But when he responded to God, he put that out there. He got free. free. Then he would talk to other men that were struggling in relationships and doing things they shouldn't be doing because he was free. And the devil wants us to believe that we're free if we keep the closet shut. But the Holy Spirit wants to open it up because then the power of that thing's gone. There's no more power. It's gone. I like the song Josh Wilson. is a Christian singer. He's got a song where the chorus is, That was then. This is now. It's not appropriate to play it right now. It doesn't go with the end of the service. But go home and listen to it. That was then. This is now. This lady was like, "That was me a couple hours ago. This is me now." She got free. Can we stand, please? We're just gonna we're gonna we're gonna go into a worship song. And I just. I know what's on my heart is that, I guess this is my, my heart, is that, that we want to be free. That we want to be free. You know, often it's things that peg us down, that we just don't know how to get shake free from some stuff. You know, the first thing is, is de- declaration. is saying, hey, I've got an issue. I've got a problem. I've got this in my life. And God just wants to bring freedom. God doesn't want to be condemning. Jesus did it beautifully with her. Yeah, I know, you've had five husbands. You correctly answered. It's like he did it so beautifully. I guess that's our heart, is that we want to journey with you. We all screw up. We all make a mess. But it doesn't mean that we have to live in shame. Thank you, Father. Lord, we just thank you. Father, that this story is just an amazing story of a woman who found her salvation in you, Lord God. She found her acceptance, her belonging, and her life in you, Lord Jesus. And that wasn't enough. She had to share it with the whole town. I pray, Lord God, that we'd be people that want to do the same thing. Get free so we can free others. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. If you want to respond this morning as we're just singing the song, we'd love to pray with you. But uh, don't let an opportunity go past when God's speaking to your heart and you not respond. You just need to respond, if you'd like to. We'd love to pray with you. Thanks, Willie.